Great. Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, we like to welcome we we we'd like to welcome back uh, on the line Andrew Dembina, our food and drinks reporter. How are you doing, Andrew? Yeah, very well, thanks, Noreen. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Just tried some uh, vegan cheese. Uh, we, we also had a food segment earlier. Um, yeah. It was interesting. Yes, oh, on Facebook Live, yes. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. That, that looks very interesting indeed, actually. I, uh, I don't know if, um, yeah, I mean, if there's much of it around. I've tried vegan cheese myself, but it's been more of the kind of the, the, the yellowish, harder, wants-to-be cheddar sort of imitation type. But I haven't tried those softer ones, like the goat's cheese and the cream cheese. Looks really nice. Yeah, it was really tasty. The one, the the really soft, spreadable cheese, um, sort of. Uh, well, I can't give the brand name, but yeah, it's sort of like a regular creamy spread spreadable mm. cheese with some chives in it. So yeah, that definitely had the same texture, and it definitely was. Yeah. Did I, I, the other ones? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, did, did sorry. Did the did, did, did the other ones which didn't have so much enhancement? Did they taste like dairy cheese, or did they taste of something a bit different? Yeah, they didn't taste like dairy cheese. Uh, I have to say, they mm. um it, it the, the first one tasted like miso. I mean, I don't know if it's because she told uh, yeah. said she she'd put miso in it, yeah. but it tasted like um. It, the, mm. the texture wasn't uh, it was quite soft but it wasn't like a spreadable type it was more like a doughy mm. um yeah that tasted like miso and then the other one that was a bit harder yeah that was that was a bit cheesy but it's not stringy cheese not like cheddar or anything mm. yeah interesting. interesting yeah interesting sure so what very, have you got for very. us this week then well yeah, I mean, one thing is that uh, everyone uh, who's in Hong Kong at the moment will know is it's it's really hot and humid, isn't it? Is there actually a hot weather warning in effect right now? You know it. Uh, the very hot yeah. weather warning is in effect because it's just gone up to so. 33 degrees Celsius. It was 32 yeah. before 2 o'clock. Now it's 33. Uh, right. Well, the humidity is really high as well, isn't it? And um, while we're not here to talk about the weather, Laurie, um, it is the time of year where the effect of that weather makes us perspire a lot. So um, you can, uh, you can, the listener and everyone can relax a little bit more than usual about sodium chloride or salt intake, which is what we're going to talk about, because um, it's, um, you know, you are losing salt through sweating. So if you fancy adding a little tiny tiny sort of not quite a full pinch of salt but a little bit more to your food you don't need to worry about it during these particular months i think it's fair to say unless you unless you've been ordered off it by your doctor but um it's go on noreen yeah I can hear you want to say something yeah you did <laughs> i was like um it's true i i have noticed that when, when when it's hot when the weather's hot people do sort of dab an extra bit of salt on their food on their yeah. fries or whatever maybe people just have this <laughs> natural craving when when it's uh, you know <laughs> when it's uh, hot. It, 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 I, I think it is a natural craving and um uh, that we don't necessarily think about and now that you mentioned that i remember growing up and i can't remember as a young child whether it was my parents or grandparents um who actually advised in those scorching uk summers there weren't too many scorching ones it was before uh, global warming um uh you know to 
to, to have a little bit more salt with your meals. People were saying that in more moderately, uh, uh, you know, climates like UK. So I think I think it's definitely something that people realise. So with that in mind, let's have a look at some of the types of salt that are out there, from the simple type to the ever-growing gourmet type. Um, the the most common salt, like with sugar, is the most refined and the cheapest kind, which is table salt. But but the trouble with this, if you are thinking about you know from a nutritional point of view, is that if you are having a little bit more salt in the summer or using it for cooking or seasoning anything generally, um, all of the minerals almost all of them are stripped out to make that you know I'm, I'm i'm stating the obvious but we sometimes forget that in busy busy hong kong with um you know with one thing or another and salts that we just have to hand uh, and let's face it the table salt that is manufactured is usually the uh, the go the go-to salt for many people to put in a salt cellar unless you've got a grinder that you, you um you know as, as 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 more and more people do now so just be 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 aware that you're getting no nutrients or very few nutrients from the um the refined table salt um the there are some table salts that can be bought that have added iodine content and that's specifically for people with uh, uh iodine um deficiency uh, because the iodine gets taken right out of it in the uh, processing. So look out for that. There are some table salts that will say that they have... Gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, Andrew, hold on one second. Okay, there you go. You've been reconnected. Sorry, just repeat that last line again. Okay, good. Yes, we're all good. <laughs> my yeah, phone just everything kinda... okay there, Noreen? <laughs> my phone dropped off the good. table, so yeah. kind of lost the line there. Sorry, could you just repeat that last line? We were oh. up to the iodine. Yeah. Um, well, um, mo- most so most table salts do contain uh, iodine um, because um, they're in a minute quantity. But look out if you have iodine deficiency for those with added iodine. It's a slightly more expensive uh, table salt that has that labelling um, so that you you are not missing out on that mineral that comes from good quality salt. So. Um, salt is all around us. Um, wh- where, where does it come from? Uh, I think I think we know very briefly. It's either underground and it's mined, uh, or it comes from the sea and it's uh, it's it's uh, then uh, the, the, the 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 water is then dried in various ways to uh, um, to make sea salt, which is which is more and more popular all the time. Those crusty but very light flakes of sea salts that we see are in posh restaurants crumbled onto a steak or a salad everything okay at your end there noreen just checking in with you yeah i'm um the cable is sort of (laughs) on on its very last line so i'm trying to hold it together so the phone doesn't drop again you can sort of hear me just very meticulously okay just wanted to check all was well. Yes, all, all is well in the, okay. in, in the broadcast drive studio. Um, but yeah, I am I am working okay. up a sweat, so I wouldn't mind replenishing my salt. Ah, yeah. Well, there's plenty of it uh, to choose from, though. With um, uh, the uh, uh, the the total amount of salt from the whole planet, and that's whether it's rock salt from uh, from mines or the stuff that is salvaged from seawater but that's processed from seawater, um, 26 million tonnes um, of, uh, of 
salt is produced in, on the earth uh, per year. So that's it's a colossal type. And the stuff that you find in gourmet um, vendors these days often come in such small packaging because they're sold as being something quite precious. And in a way, some of them are. I've got a packet in front of me now, which is um, 45 grams of, of uh, sea salt from Vancouver. Wow. And it's... Um, that, yeah, and Canadian sea salt is um, a very, very uh, small industry. So it's not one of the big players that you'll see in, in supermarkets generally. But, you know, in the world of um, uh, not really trying to bang on about, you know, salt snobbery or being exclusive or anything, but more like people are keen to experiment more, like with craft beer that we mentioned fairly regularly. Um, uh, seasonings also have people interested in having something from a certain terrain where you can almost taste the difference between, um, you know, whether it's hops in a beer in one place and another, or if it's salt that derives from either the ground or the sea in different places. Um, so Vancouver so are Island. Saying, are is you the saying there's such thing as designer salt then? Then you know more expensive yeah, pre very, premium. Very much so. Very much so. Wow. It's, uh, it really, it really is like that, Noreen. And uh, um, it's salt um, has really rocketed in terms of production in about, I'd say, about the last five years in uh, in terms of these boutique salt makers. So the, uh, the 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 one from Vancouver Island. I won't mention the company name, um, but um, but they they produce. Um, a very small amount, and, and they and they just they built a small facility, like when you when we've been spoken before about a small, say, a, a, a micro gin distillery um, that exists quite a lot in uh, Northern America and uh, and Europe, uh, Spain and the UK in particular. Small salt producers with small um, stills, metal stills in which they're evaporating seawater from clean waters, are popping up. So this is a more this is a, a, a more recent phenomenon that would never have been known, you know, decades ago. The the the, the, the salt um, from Vancouver started as just taking small batches um, in in the cleaner areas around Vancouver Vancouver Island, processing it, filtering it, and then distilling it. And it's a very very clean uh, salt, and, uh, and and they produce. Um, this, what this particular producer, like some other boutique producers, um, will do it in different styles. So they'll make it granulated for use in what is the much cheaper version of table salt. So you can put it in a salt cellar or take a pinch and it's really easy. Or they'll, they'll make the flaky sea salt type that's really crispy when, it, when, you, when you're not in a humid environment or if you keep it in the fridge and you hear it flaking and crunching under your fingers as you kind of uh, sprinkle it over your, you know, your, your grilled fish or meat or, or salads. Um, but, um, but, but, but the little box I've got in front of me has an extra flavour to it. And that, that flavour is a very non-dairy, sorry, no, sorry, a very dairy Danish blue cheese. So they've added Danish blue cheese... Um, infused into the sea salt, the dried Danish blue cheese. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And it's not still blue cheese. It is salt. crazy. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the salt right now, and it's um, you can't see any blue or green. You know, as in blue cheese flecks. So they've um, they've they've kind of removed the colour, but the flavour is there. And and this is an amazing uh, flavour because it's not overpowering. It's not like um, Stilton blue cheese. 
the the Danish one that they've deliberately chosen is uh, you know a, a milder blueness, if you like. So, uh, but it's it's this is the way that that, that salt is going in some places. Um, I mean, it, actually, in Hong Kong, I would say one of the first places to bring this in were, were some steakhouses. Um, and the most impressive one, just to name drop one place, is uh, the Intercontinental Hong Kong Hotel Steakhouse. I would say that's the first place I saw probably around six or so years ago. Wow, and here um, I thought... A, uh, Sorry, a, a wooden... Yeah. No, no, go on. Oh, well, I was just going to say that it was a wooden a wooden pallet of, uh, of uh, 12 different salts that were... Um, mostly unflavoured but a couple of them were flavoured either with um uh seaweed uh, one was another one was with a little bit of chili flakes um and they were they were from different parts of the world and uh um and some of them were you know different colors there were black pink white sorry norin you were going to say something there though um, i'm just blown away by how fancy some of these designer salts are blue cheese flavored salt i mean here i thought you know the aussies had it right with making chicken salt <laughs> Sorry, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very Aussie thing. Isn't That's it? a very yeah. Aussie thing, but yeah. you know, this um, just takes it to a, a whole new level. Mm. Blue cheese infused right. sea salt from Vancouver. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 one. That's, that, that is one kind of out there, unexpected uh, uh, combination for sure. Talking about Australia, um, the uh, in Western Australia, the Murray River is one of the sources. And it's unusual in a way because most um, water evaporated salt is seawater. But the Murray River, um, which is not an estuary, um, does contain salt. Um, uh, and it, that's from the, uh, the rock salt that's underneath it. And this um, is coloured pink. So this is where wow. one of the world's most noted high quality pink salts comes from yeah the murray river in in, in much smaller quantities than uh, um than you will find in the himalayas where um where in uh, some better supermarkets i mean supermarkets with a wider range of salts um himalayan salt is uh is a kind of go-to pink, pink salt, salt these days. Yeah, that's right. Oh, i didn't realize they had yeah. pink salt in australia as well well smaller quantities they yeah, they do. Um, it's uh, it's it's something. If you ever get to Western Australia, not that uh, I have been to Western Australia to Perth, where I saw it being being sold, but I've not been to the actual source of it on the Murray River, which I'd love to go to because that's a really big wine area as well. Be a great place for a, for a holiday. But um, but yeah, that's one of the places. The the, uh, the Himalayan uh, pink salt, which is the uh, Dembina household um, uh, house salt for mm -hmm. some time. Yeah, the good lady wife loves a, a bit of Himalayan, and that's what we've been—that's uh, what we've been um, sort of seasoning our food with for some year, some years. It dissolves really quickly, and it's really, really tiny, tiny crystals. So it's not—you know—you don't really see it in most of the cuisine. So we're not—it's—it's it's, it's mostly in a kitchen cupboard being used to season things rather than a kind of you know wacky coloured salt. Um, and and I think people who want to um, have more mineral intake sometimes choose this salt as well because it says to contain over 80 traceable minerals um, yeah. that's the himalayan salt which comes uh, yeah comes mostly between the uh, border of india and pakistan so it's pakistan and punjab region region of uh, 
of India. That's um, where it's um, where it's mined from. There's a lot of it, um, uh, yeah, in the grounds there. Uh, black salt, which I mentioned briefly, um, you know, is sometimes on a on a platter of salts in certain restaurants or in gourmet supermarkets. That mostly comes from Hawaii and sometimes Cyprus, the uh, the Greek island. Um, uh, there, there, there are some Indian black salts um, as well, but that's very, very rare and almost never seen outside of uh, the country itself. And that also comes out of the Himalayas in, in, on the Indian side. So um, the, uh, um, the most gourmet salts that um, traditionally anyone would ask for before this new wave of... Uh, uh, boutique makers, you know, with cheesy additives or, or seaweed or other things, was something that the French call uh, fleur de sel, and uh, that's the uh, the French. Uh, well, the translation from French it means flower of salt, and this is hand collected, so it's pretty expensive when you buy it from salt marshes, uh, and this has been it's been collected from there for centuries using. Uh, um, skimming the surface with uh, with wooden filters, basically. So it's a very laborious uh, way of collecting salt crystals that form on a top layer um, of ponds that are uh, that are that are that are made by salt farmers, if you like. Yeah. So that's that's a fancy one, um, fleur de sel. If you if you if you fancy trying something a bit upmarket or saying or passing it to your friend when you invite them over for dinner, care for a little uh, fleur de sel. Then you can tell them it's hand hand collected. <laughs> hand, yeah, hand collected on the uh, Gironde marshes. They're called um, in in um, in America and in the UK more than you really hear about it here. Apart from a few chefs will mention it here. Kosher salt um, is uh, is used a lot, and if you check recipes that come from America, often. Rather than table salt, kosher salt is um, is the one that you'll see in recipes. A lot of chefs recommend it um, because it's uh, it's crystals. It's very very fine crystals, but they are um, but they are minutely. If you were to look under a microscope, kind of craggy around the edges, and that stops them from clustering together. And so, if they're sprinkled over meat, they're good for curing meat. Um, and it's the, and that's the kind of um, salts that is used in the US for lining a margarita cocktail or other cocktails that have a bit of salt around the rim. So uh, it's something that you um, that you don't really see or hear much about in, in Hong Kong. But so if you want really fine granules that don't stick together, um, that's that, that's one to go for. Um, and uh, I mentioned flavoured uh, salts. Um, the other flavours that take it a step further in recent years, especially with the um, popularity of single malt whiskey <clears throat> excuse me is um is whiskey or in america even occasionally you'll find bourbon soaked salts and Whoa. to be honest we've talked about pink yeah yeah we've talked about pink salts but um people in europe are ongoingly if that's a word um experimenting with white or red or rosé wine to give both color and a little depth of flavor into salt by um, by boiling up uh, salt or slowly heating uh, wine into a pan of salt. These are being made in, in small batches and sold as well. So if you've got a famous wine region, 
um, this is kind of becoming a little bit of a souvenir or it's it, 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 it really does have some flavour. So it is interesting what it could do to a dish, whether sprinkled over or used for seasoning and cooking. But it's also, as with many things food and drink related, um, it is also becoming more popular because it's an interesting idea. Wow. So um, well, that's, that's yeah. it. I was going to say we're coming towards the uh, the two thirty news, Andrew. I've not mentioned, I've not heard you sure. mention anything about purple salt. Is there such thing? Edible purple salt? Purple, did you say? Purple. Oh, purple. Sorry. Mm. Um, now, okay. Um, I, the, the thing that would spring to mind there, I've not come across it, would be either using beetroot or um, uh, or blackberry or blueberry um, mm. or raspberry, but I haven't heard of sweet salts. But I, I, I'm sure that. It might be being done. Quickly, I'll jam in quickly that smoked salt is the last thing to mention, where salt is evaporated and then put over the wood chips of something like cherry or apple, which does infuse an amazing flavour. This is small batch stuff as well. Wow, that's amazing. As usual, Andrew, thank you so much uh, for your uh, salt uh, sharing uh, with our listeners today. Very interesting indeed. Sure. It's such a market for designer salt. I look forward to chatting with you again next yeah. week. Thank you very much uh, for your time this week. Andrew Dambina, our food and drink reporter. Thank you. And